it's not always related to childbirth. So, you know, they could have had their surgery, go through pregnancies and have no problem whatsoever. Um, and a lot of women that when you're doing the consult, I ask if they've had kids and it, did it make it better or worse? And it's probably 50-50, I would say. Like sometimes okay. they just had the problem beforehand anyway. Yeah. Vaginal birth can, can certainly <laughs> exacerbate any issues, but it's not the primary cause. Hey, Refam. My name's Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast unafraid to delve into the taboo topics. A labiaplasty is a surprisingly common surgery that just doesn't get the same airtime as our other operations, so it's time to change that. There's a misconception labiaplasties are the quest for a designer vagina, and while that may be the case in some places, our patients are overwhelmingly trying to overcome discomfort and pain. Richard and Kim join me today to explain what a labiaplasty actually is, what kind of downtime you need, and why it's not something to be embarrassed about in any way. Welcome. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about labiaplasties. What exactly is a labiaplasty? Uh, well, it's it's a trimming of the labia minora, which are which is part of the vagina, which um, is just on the inside of the sort of more obvious. Uh, labia majora, which is the external part. Um, and so it's it's where those are excessively long and then we trim them. Why would somebody opt for a labiaplasty? Commonly women that are requesting that type of surgery have excess skin in that area and they, they actually often don't know <laughs> what bit it is. Um, but they'll come in and they'll describe, um, I've got extra tissue I've got extra skin there um, it's really uncomfortable um, it can be uncomfortable exercising um, wearing leggings so some women actually feel that when they're wearing tight clothing they you can see it and they're really really self-conscious um, and it can also be really uncomfortable during um, intimacy and having sex for them she means sex oh yeah now I just edited the last no, one where you whispered anus <laughs> <laughs> um, so is it a a somewhat common procedure and we just like never hear about it because of the topic or is it as like rare as I think it is? No, it, it's a common problem. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's, and I'm glad we're doing this podcast because uh, um, I think it's something that women are often not aware of um, but it's also maybe something that doesn't come up so well on uh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the only areas that I never take pre or post-op photos of, I don't think. Do you? No. No. I don't even. We have that on We're recording. certainly not uh, <laughs> sharing them on socials, but, um, yeah, I, I, there are there are definitely surgeons in Australia that have on their website, I don't know, with the new rules. No. If they do, there is. I Like, Ugh. can I name a name? Like, <laughs> you could um, you probably just Google pre and post-op labiaplasty right. before and afters. And yeah, yeah. there's definitely a surgeon in Queensland who – Pre, like used to have a lot of those on oh, their website. Well, theoretically, to get to get the Medicare item number, which I don't even think is still a no, there's still there's one. Still not, um, you have to have photographic evidence of it being seven centimeters long. No, eight centimeters. Eight, eight centimeters. Eight I centimeters. just looked it up. In the standing resting, it says standing yeah. resting position, eight centimeters of skin. Get a mm. ruler, people. Out home and a photo <laughs> um and imagine yeah when you're standing up how much skin that is actually excess what would i've you never seen typically like if people are coming in i assume at some point 
do you have to measure just to be like it's not a no, don't. Yeah, I, don't, I don't measure it. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, like it's there are actually usually significant. So mm. it'll be four or five, four or five centimeters. Yeah. Of skin hanging over the vaginal opening is significant. Yeah, uh, and um, I would say even like even three, like yeah. you know, there's there's quite a lot of skin that's mm. sticking out that you've yeah. got to kind of put. It's got nowhere to go. Like, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, and we've seen fit in your what you're supposed somewhere. to fit into at the beach. So yeah. like, that's a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I guess if you had a patient that you thought might have been eight centimeters in. Maybe then we'd take. Is a that photo. the only criteria for the item number? The I think there's number? one other one, but that's to do with genital previous genital mutilation. I think so. Oh, right. um, that's something that certainly I have not seen yeah. in my practice. I think there's a there's a couple of people in Melbourne that kind of specialise in that area. Yeah. Okay. And when I was looking online, they were talking about like a trimming or wedging technique. Is that what we do here or is it kind of patient dependent? Um, so I I do a trim um, and I actually sort of do it weirdly in, a, in the same sort of way that I do a lower eyelid blepharoplasty. Oh. So I do what's called a, uh, a pinch technique. So I, I actually – because one thing you don't want to do is over-resect. Yeah. Um, right. And there's also issues with bleeding. So what I actually do is get some forceps and um, sort of mark out where I'm going to remove the skin um, and then trim it. Um, there are all these other very seemingly unnecessarily complicated mm. techniques, but I've, I've, I, I have no idea. I've, um, I've done a few wedges in the past where <clears throat> someone has – it's the shape that yeah. it, that you're trying to and you're kind of keep preserving that edge of the labia and you're taking yeah. out a big kind of like piece of pizza almost yeah. of it. And um, almost universally I think those have had wound healing issues because you end up with a through mm. and through. You've got a stitch line on both sides and they tend mm. to make fistulas and holes. Um, and so, yeah, I've absolutely just gone back to doing the, the trim. And yeah, okay. it's a remarkably – um, it, it heals remarkably well, mm. and if you and that leaves the scar on the outside edge of the labia, which you see at their one week appointment. Often at their two week appointment, you like mm. you can hardly even see the scar right. um, because it's on the it's mucosa, and yeah. so it heals way better than a skin scar. Yeah, um, right. and because it, it's a moist area, moist mm. wound healing is always better um than dry and yeah they just tend to heal remarkably well oh, that's really good is it painful it sounds painful. um <laughs> it varies so mm. I, i've had patients who have been very bothered by it mm-hmm. so it's very uncomfortable especially when you're peeing um but um the last patient i did a couple of weeks ago and maybe it was because i'd built it up to be very yeah, painful right. <laughs> uh she said I didn't notice anything really sort of from early on. So that was just um, very easy. But, I mean, the pain is usually for um, only for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I've actually had a patient who's um, diarised her whole journey. Um, we might put it in the show notes, a link to it. Um, but she she found it quite uncomfortable. Um, but certainly sort of by two weeks, if if they're having another procedure done at the same time, Everyone's pretty much forgotten about 
about that. Yeah, and, right. You know, someone's got to remind you. Oh, yeah, no, I also had that. I think sometimes as Kim said, it's always healed. The the thought of it as well is much worse than the yeah. than the um you know than the actual recovery. From it. I know you said that the scar stuff's kind of fine. So in recovery in general, I know that people always ask us about having sex afterwards mm. and it's kind of like whenever you feel fine. <laughs> Is other rules kind of more strict around labiaplasty? Oh, uh, not really. I mean you – know, I'd probably say a month, like yeah. about a month, but, you know, you probably patient dependent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So a labia can obviously like stretch or change during pregnancy or childbirth. Mm. Do, you, do you tend to recommend people wait until after they've had children or – No. I think if it's if it's problematic and uncomfortable, um, I remember I quite a few years ago had two sisters who were in their teens, um, over eighteen, but they were, um, and they both had asymmetry and different issues, but quite excess skin. Yeah. Um, and they came in with their mom, and you know it was kind of like a whole family affair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, fi- fix them both up, and and it's not always related to childbirth so yeah. you know they could go through pre- have had their surgery go through pregnancies and have no problem whatsoever yeah. um and a lot of women that when you're doing the consult i ask if they've had kids and it did it make it better or worse and it's probably 50 50 i would say like sometimes oh, okay. they just had the problem beforehand anyway yeah. um vaginal birth can can certainly <laughs> exacerbate any issues but it's not the primary cause it's bad luck i think yeah, so yeah right. most of the time the problem yeah, and, and it would be it, – it's a procedure that would be very easy to uh, revise. Or re, – yeah. Oh, redo. okay, yeah. So far it's like sounding easy. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a very underrated procedure. Yeah. Right. It's univers- there's basically one thing that uh, – there's one mistake you can make um, and if you avoid that – that there's pretty much nothing else. And um, is that taking the too much skin? Too much. Yeah, well, particularly taking – if you take too much skin on the side, not a massive issue, mm. um, but if you take any of the clitoral hood, so there's some skin that hangs over the clitoris, uh, that can that can leave that a bit exposed and make it quite yeah. sensitive even in clothing and things like that. Right. Obviously, I mean, it's completely in the wrong space, but there are documented cases of surgeons actually cutting off the clitoris as well. Not ideal. You want to avoid that. Oh, accidentally, not like yeah. FGM. Yes, oh. yes. Um, so yeah. but you even want to protect the skin. They clearly o- didn't know the anatomy it. at all. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. No, you want to know your anatomy. Always. <laughs> As a doctor, I <laughs> that, that, that is my base, my base level of understanding for you guys. Um, what are, besides that horrific example, what are other risks with labiavastating? Um, just going back to the recovery a little bit as well mm. is it's a very um, bleedy sort of area. So um, as with all the other surgeries that we do, we put local anaesthetic in at the start before removing the tissue. But I spend quite a bit of time like cauterizing the area. But I've had quite a few patients where even just injecting the local anaesthetic and mm. like it doubles in size because there's some little bleed that before oh, you've even done right. any surgery. And so, um, so spending time is – um, stopping any bleeding so like obviously with any surgery bleeding is um, you know a, is always a risk um, I've found um, back when I used to give patients always antibiotics after mm-hmm. this um, thrush was a massive issue and so patients are itchy because they've got a wound that's healing mm-hmm. and um, 
I use dissolvable stitches, but they're they're external, not internal, like in a lot of the other areas. So they've got this, they look like little bits of cotton all there. And so that's kind of uncomfortable and a bit itchy as it's healing anyway. And then if they get thrush on top of that, you're not their favourite person. So they're yeah, just right. itchy and uncomfortable. And so, um, yeah, I've stopped giving antibiotics after the after the surgery. Oh, and antibiotics I, can cause thrush? Absolutely. Yeah. Always or just in that scenario? Oh, no, a lot of Problem. women, if they take antibiotics for other things, can have, yeah, vaginal thrush. And so it's, yeah, not fun to be recovering from that. Um I did a uh, labiaplasty in a patient last week who also had a breast reduction. And so routinely I would actually give them antibiotics afterwards. So, But I, for her I didn't. I'd just give her a yeah, couple okay. of doses in hospital. Um, another weird fact that I found is if patients are having issues with that afterwards, if they get their period it actually helps. It tends to sort of oh, neutralise and yeah. flush it out. Right. But, you know, obviously. That's not a scientific kind of, thing. Just oh, I know. <laughs> Anecdotally. Yeah. Um, So, because I was going to ask when the the scar looks the best, but because you guys were like, after a week, they kind of forget. But is it quite Mm. swollen immediately and then? Not particularly, no. Oh, right. Sort of, yeah, by the time you check it at one or two weeks, uh, it's looking pretty healed and and normal. Yeah, right. Um, So, not not a huge amount of swelling. And probably one of those procedures that patients, you'd only see them. Once or twice afterwards, yeah. and yeah. they universally wouldn't be coming back for long term follow up. And is it like a yeah, high, um, not success rate, but satisfaction? Mm, satisfaction, yeah. yeah, very. I think extremely high. Mm. Yeah, right. Nice. Anything else mm. you'd like to add? No, I think you've covered it well. Um, I, I, I think it's great to do this podcast to bring more attention to it because I think a lot of a lot of women maybe don't realise that it's a surgical option. Yeah, and it's a fairly straightforward procedure. Um, as Kim's sort of alluded to, we it's often we often combine it with it's often combined with something else mm-hmm. because someone's coming to see for a tummy tuck or a breast reduction, and so they say, oh, "Can you do this as well?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly can do it as an independent procedure as well. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.